Hey friends, Samuel here. I just had a couple quick updates before the episode started. I am not going to take too much of your time today. I just wanted to let you know about two things. First, uh, I tried my best with this episode. We had some audio problems, so uh, bear with me. I think it sounds pretty good with what we've got, but um, we're a work in process, as we like to say around here. So um, thanks for sticking with us, and uh, I'm working on it, and I'm learning as I go, so it's kind of a great one-two punch. The last thing I wanted to let you know about is our Patreon, which just launched. You can go to patreon.com backslash communityrootspod. And and if you have flexibility during this time, please donate so we can cover some of our costs, improve our equipment so we can kind of uh, flesh out some of these kinks and stuff like that, and um, just generally advance what we're trying to do, which is spread good mental health practices all over. So thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you soon. So I added the idea that we would um, put um, make really our... now drinking and um, eating sounds like um 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 um. No, I was thinking we'd put the video recordings for our Patreon subscribers. Say, hey, oh, you can there watch you go. Us. <laughs> you know what? That what? would be fun. I'm gonna. That's a good incentive. That would be fun. Just give me a heads up. <laughs> so I can like wash my hair or something. Anyway, are we ready? I'm ready. Ready or not. Here we come. Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield. And uh, we are still in it. Uh, we've had kind of a... Uh, initial meeting about what we're going to talk about today and it's got me both excited and nervous (laughs) Uh, we're going to talk about kind of this other uh, stress that's kind of unseen that we're all kind of collectively going through with coronavirus and I think it's like one of those things where it's nice to be able to put a, a face to something and a name to something but it's also kind of scary like before we researched this show, I didn't know that this type of stress would even exist, you know? And it makes so much sense that it does. We are into a new uh, level of trying to cope and um, constantly vigilant that we've been talking about, that our brain and our nervous system are constantly on guard trying to protect us and go into overdrive to keep us safe scanning the environment for safety and normally we get that from our social engagement with the people that we are with and our um, healthy attachment relationships, our safe people, our um, our secure home base as we say in attachment language that there are people that are with us and for us and right now 
we are largely behind a screen or um, further distanced from or living in such close quarters with those that we're quarantined with that we get um, maybe more irritable or needing space from. So we're not getting cues of safety and support. We're getting cues of exhaustion and um, not really able to give anymore. Yeah, I definitely think this week I've been exhausted this whole week and I can't quite understand because I'm not doing as much. I'm I'm not out there as much. I'm staying at home for most of the day and I just, I don't understand like why am I so fatigued from this? Why am I so exhausted and why does that exhaustion continue even though I'm getting more sleep or think I'm getting more sleep? Yeah, where your productivity level is declining or you're resting more or not running around running errands or being with people. So what makes it so tiring? I've also found in my experiences, I need more space right now. You know, I I just feel like sometimes when I could normally just let things go, I'd rather just take a breather instead, just because I can feel that inner sort of stress, you know? Well, we came upon this article that is um, written by Emily Baron Kadloff called Allostatic Load is the Psychological Reason for Our Pandemic Brain Fog. And she talks about um, that the damage that's happening on our bodies because we are repeatedly exposed to stress. It's a constant sense of um, unknown and anxiety and panic and fear and all these different emotions, the strain from the pandemic. Um, She said that we're exhausted, not because our body's working hard, but because our brain is. Well, and I also find myself um, wondering if I'm not compounding that stress by not eating well, by like my cortisol levels are going up And then, but I'm compensating by eating sugar or having a glass or two of wine. And that can't be good for my body too. The the allostatic load might not just be the the emotional and mental stress, but it can also be compounded by the physical stress of how we're trying to regulate ourselves and get through this period of time. Um, I don't know. That's just a thought I had. Yeah, if we're choosing coping mechanisms that are potentially not helpful or healthy um, like sugar or alcohol or something that is um, not really giving our brain and body the nutrients or rest or hydration. Um, And not that we can have um, a completely clean diet all the time. I understand. I'm not personally rigid on that, but um, we do feel differently whenever we're eating better than when we're not. I think people can identify. I know I can um, have a sense that if I'm eating better, I'm feeling better. If I'm making wiser choices on on what um, I'm taking in, that's going to impact my body and how I feel. I think I may have mentioned on here Um, once about a quote that I saw by a chiropractor that said, your body doesn't have the ability to bring nutrients out of something that has no nutrients in them. And I thought that was really powerful because it's like you can't take Doritos, for instance, and find nutrients in that. They're they're not there. Your body doesn't have the ability to 
make something healthy out of something that has no nutrients in it. Whoa, that is extremely profound. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Convicting, too. (laughs) It's like, oh. It is. I'm thinking about, like, Reese cups and... You know, I'm thinking, oh, you know what? There's, there's got to be something. It's peanut butter is in there, right? And chocolate. There's something in chocolate. But you're right. There's, they're so overprocessed. My body cannot pull nutrients out of a receipt cup, mm. which is another way I'm trying to regulate myself. <laughs> Speaking of regulating, yeah. Speaking of unhealthy regulation. This is all really interesting. I just kind of the visualization I've come up with in my head. I just like visual imagery is kind of like a vision of a scary movie or like a bear chasing somebody through a woods, you know, like a very stressful, dramatic event that you're kind of perceiving. But if that kind of scary scene went on for over 40 days, you know, and so it's still a scary scene. It's less like scary and heart throbbing scary and more just like continual stress, you know? Yeah, and... like that bear is still out there running to get you. Constantly. Right. And mm-hmm. you you see the bear now, and you know what color it is, and you kind of determine the pace that you're running away from the bear, and is it getting closer? Maybe it gets a little closer sometimes. Maybe it gets further away, but it's still there. Samuel, you had mentioned earlier uh, about that stress that happens when, or this type of stress um, is evident with text messaging or perceived um, tech arrival of text messaging. Yeah, just in general, your phones. Yeah, yeah. I, I read an article about, um, and an, I don't know if I could find it now. It's a couple months ago, but essentially, it, it talks about how your phones are a beacon of stress, just because if you're waiting for a call or a text message, or if you're on a comment chain with someone, even as a friend or as somebody you're arguing with, you know, uh. All of that turns your brain to a 10 because your brain is focused on kind of stimuli that it's not attached to. It's kind of like the equivalent of being in a woods and you're being hunted and you're like listening for that twig snap, you know, Uh, but your brain's turned on to a 10. So even if you're chilling at home, watching TV, watching The Office, then uh, you can, your brain can still feel stressed and still feel like it's turned up to a 10 and like it's a stressful situation even though you're totally safe at home and that's both a similar feeling to what I've been feeling just kind of like the back of the mind stress that I think a lot of us have had experiences with but also uh just kind of that phone stress now that I'm more attached to my phone and I am trying to uh, pull away from my phone a little bit but still being in that moment, um, looking for new updates. If it's a particularly slow day, like refreshing my feed, you know, but that kind of like phone stress and that kind of just background stress, I totally feel. And I I feel like it's compounding, you know? Absolutely. Well, it is. We have no idea when this is going to change and what it's going to look like. There is so much uncertainty ahead of us. And if we were training for this marathon of racing with a bear slash the pandemic, then we would be ready for this. We would we would have trained. We would have gone out and we would have stressed our body in slow increments, just like you do when you're training physically, and then recovered, and then a little, you know, stress it just a little bit more and, and built that resilience, built that um, 
oh, I forget what the word is, but um, conditioned our bodies for this. And yet here we are and our bodies cannot be conditioned for this. You know, that brings up a memory for me. Um, My dad, when he turned 50, which is so relevant this week for our household (laughs) because my husband is turning 50. So I- Happy birthday, dad. Yay, shout out to Todd. Happy birthday. Um, But- when my dad was turning 50, he decided that part of what he would do to prove his youthfulness is run a marathon. <laughs> and my dad is was previously um, a tennis coach and relatively f- physically fit for tennis, but that's a different sport than running a marathon. And I don't think he particularly really prepared well. Knowing what I know of marathon runners now, and how much work they put into it. Like it's all regiment of how many miles you run for how many weeks. And it's like this intense preparation. And then seeing my dad, when he crossed the finish line, he did complete the marathon, but it was scary. I mean, it was like, he did not look okay at all. And I guess in a way, when you paint that picture, Sarah, where you're saying we're all in a marathon that we haven't prepared for, what a difference it makes on our stress level because it is that compounded stress of uncertainty and no sure answers of what's safe or what's not. Everything out in the media right now is conflicting. As soon as you hear Mm -hmm. from one, um, you know, here are the ER doctors telling you the opposite of what everything else has told you. And the president says one thing and the governor says another and, there's political controversy and then there's everybody's opinions of everything. And it's just so much overload and exhaustion that I think that takes such, such a toll. So Julie, how do we, how do we condition ourselves in the midst of this marathon? Is there any recovery that we can experience now? Because we're already at like mile I mean, we're we, basically we've been at mile 25, 26 is right around the corner, but we're all like your dad at 20, <laughs> mile 25, 26, <laughs> like what, you know, there's, you get conflicting things about like what you can do and clearly like exercise is one, but what else can we be doing right now? I think that's such a great question. And, and one of the things that, um, Emily Cadloff's article had mentioned was getting back to more of a sense of predictability. And she said, first, in true therapy speak, feel your feelings. And I want to tie that into specifically listening to our body um, and, and notice what we're experiencing and what is our body trying to tell us in order to take better care of it. Um, and I heard today in um, a reflection with uh, an upcoming off the beaten path that I won't completely <laughs> expose the whole thing that it's really awesome. But um, just this idea. Teaser. Of, <laughs> there you go. It's a teaser. Um, being in relationship with our nervous system and seeing our nervous system like a friend um, that so often we ignore it. We ignore our nervous system and our body and we just keep pushing? And what would it look like to do the opposite of that? And to say, we are going to give a lot of attention to what our body is saying and needing 
and what a difference that would make. I think if I could just add on a little bit too, that I just wanted to create like a distinction. I think that a marathon is a good analogy because it shows that we're in this for the long haul, you know, it isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. But what I think is different about what we are in as opposed to a marathon is that we have the ability to adjust every day and kind of change what we're doing. Like my granddad, whenever he ran that race, he was pretty much screwed from mile one because he didn't prepare for it before (laughs) then. Right. But I think that we have a, we have a different situation where you can start equipping yourself today, you know, right now. And so there is kind of that, yeah, we're in it for a long time, but I also think it's mixed too with, uh, I don't know if I've used this analogy in a while, but drawing your sword and getting ready to face your dragons, you know, uh, just being able to uh, realize that you have some agency and have some power and you can do, uh, you can change where you're headed. And I totally want to give space for both sides, you know, sure. the sides of I'm exhausted and the exi- the side of I don't know what I want to do, you know, all sides, but just offer that perspective of it is different than a marathon in some ways because uh, you have the ability to prepare for tomorrow right now. And uh, I also think too, I I was thinking with like feel your feelings and uh, that mindfulness kind of that we're pulling into this, I think is really key too. Because the only way I think that you can actually get better is by listening to yourself. Because otherwise, you don't know what those updates are. And I'm I'm, a, I'm going for like above and beyond. I would say even like talking to yourself, having good talk, self-talk, and asking yourself good questions is a good way that you can um, be a friend to your body and... Uh, kind of create that relationship that mom and uh, others are talking about. So both of those, I think both of those mindsets of listen to your body and realize that you can adjust as well. It, it isn't. I think that's the huge point about it is the adjusting as you go. You know, I think um, <laughs> part of me is feeling this. Let me just not throw my dad under the bus as far as I do think he was trying to prepare. He just didn't Mm -hmm. realize the extent or, and, and that, that ended up, I think really hurting him. Like he was really Mm -hmm. injured by all of that. And so in that regard, like we don't, we don't fully know what we're headed for in this situation either. But I do think it's, as you said, make the adjustments as you're going along that, you know, if we're paying attention and if we are staying curious about what we're experiencing and we can have a relationship with ourselves that is affirming and validating and noticing what comes up um, on one given day, we might be able to do more in whatever capacity that might look like. And another day we just can't. And we have to be able to flex with that and and really pay attention to what is our body is telling us that we need. I wanted to use an example kind of from something that we've been talking about on the show, which is maybe like a, an increase in substance or escape 
you know, like looking for alternatives to escape. Maybe you're watching more TV or you're drinking more alcohol or just those kind of things that you know aren't necessarily good or sustainable for you that you're investing in anyway. I think one of the ways that this differs from a real marathon is that you can look at those habits now and say, look, that's my body telling me that I need an escape and that something isn't right. I'm stressed out. And so then you can build alternatives that are healthy um, and you can change that kind of route instead of just being like, well, for the rest of this coronavirus, I'm just going to drink like a six pack a day to get through it. Like it's your body actually trying to communicate with you to say something isn't right and I need to escape from it rather than this is just your routine for the rest of coronavirus. Um, I just I just see that too within my own, like I've noticed, like I bought a six pack the other day and it's already gone, which is fine because I'm not even like worried about alcohol at all. But just in terms of me beating myself up for that and mm-hmm. then actually realizing like saying, hey, maybe I, instead of just beating myself up for the fact that I needed an escape or something like that, rather looking and saying, where can I find other supports? Because my body is trying to tell me something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that makes sense. That is so healthy, Samuel. That forget that understanding you're paying attention to yourself is, I think, the biggest step. Your that awareness. Um, one of the things that I heard in this training that I had listened to earlier was about treating ourselves. And if we just don't know how we're feeling, if we know nothing, then the next step is to say, well, what would you do if you were a baby? Like, what would you need if you were a baby? Babies need that regulation. Babies need that um, consistency, healthy food. They need to move. They need sleep. Um, they, If they sit there and watch TV all day long, you know, we're stunting development. Um, and so, and also, you know, if your baby has some, I don't know if this is right, but if your baby has some chocolate, you don't beat yourself up. I guess this is bad. I don't know if you should give babies <laughs> we chocolate. We are a mental health show, not a <laughs> how to raise your disclaimer, baby nutritionally. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess what I'm saying though is, you know, uh, a baby has a better idea of what it needs to get through the day. It knows it needs changed. It knows it needs movement. It knows it needs to be fed. We know it needs stimulation. Um, uh, and it needs a regular schedule. And so I, when I hear feel your feelings or, you know, understand or that awareness of yourself, like what is, what, what do you need? Like, don't be harsh on yourself. Don't be mean to yourself. I'm, ki- I'm kind of left at a loss of, well, I don't know what I want. I'm so fatigued. I'm so exhausted. I've undergone this, um, this marathon, um, uh, and I, I don't even know what I want. And I hearing like, what would a baby want in that moment kind of gave me a, something to go off of. Have I, I'm just thinking that, you know, with the developmental, um, stage of that baby, their brain is at a very primitive, just functioning level of, Um, exactly what you're describing, like what are my physical needs to eat, to sleep, to drink, to um, have some movement or something. There's no um, prefrontal cortex yet online or anything where they are able to um, do the uh, mental work of something that we are 
pushing ourselves to do. It's not even there. They're just doing the basic functioning things. And that's bringing us kind of back to those basics. Um, so the, the training that Sarah is referencing that I just wanted to um, acknowledge is um, coming from Lisa Dion from Synergetic Play Therapy Institute. And a couple episodes ago when we were talking about things that we would remember from the um, pandemic and COVID-19 and what would be um, things that we remember this is something that stands out to me that was very life-changing for me was her training on regulating during COVID-19. And the takeaway that I had from that was just the idea of listening to our body and what our body needs. Um, and there's sense and the sense of just so much unknown and uncertainty and the stress response of that um, really causes us to lose touch with ourselves and to kind of scan the environment for something that will feel more stable and more calming. But when we scan the environment, as we described earlier in our portion of this episode, talking about stress, like what, what do we see? We see all kinds of discord and um, conflicting information and constant media input and political input and arguing family members or whatever's happening with, you know, the quarantine. And so we see all that stress outside of ourselves and we can't figure out how do we get grounded again? How do we get to a place of peace or calm? And what Lisa talked about in that training was part of it is being able to acknowledge, even in the midst of that emotional flood, um, that our body is actually doing exactly what it is designed to do in a challenge. It is trying to keep us safe and it is um, normal and expected that this is how we respond in stress. And so our bodies are wise and we can listen to what it's telling us to do. Sometimes our amygdala, that what we've talked about in previous sessions on anxiety, um, gets really activated and we are fearful and overwhelmed. And so we have to bring back some sense of safety. And And really right now with the pandemic, it's how do we be safe enough? How can we do the things that will keep us as safe as, as we can be despite the circumstances? Um, but it's getting back into that relationship with how we treat ourselves and our nervous system and are we listening and are we trying to stay connected to my body's telling me right now to slow it down or to drink the water or to lay down instead of sitting up right now or to, to be able to release the tears that would give us so much relief if we could just let ourselves cry. Like Samuel had mentioned earlier, the six pack isn't, he doesn't need to beat himself up for that. And he can make um, a choice in the next minute to drink water instead of, or before um, popping the top of the next can or bottle or whatever. Um, we have the choice to make that movement um, instead of sitting or to lay down um, and pay attention to our feelings. And it's not something that we have to wait to do. And if you don't do it, don't beat yourself up either. Like, there's no need to be beating ourselves up for anything at all. 
Absolutely, because, yeah, because it's, like you said, it compounds. It adds to the distress. It makes it worse because then we're dealing with layers of shame and judgment and criticism, and it's it's not um, a very nurturing way to kind of give ourselves the support we need to be able to grow through it, that it's okay to make adjustments and to realize this is probably not helpful for me right now, but something else might be. I did want to say, uh, before we get a ton of emails about my drinking, (laughs) 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 that I swear, um, (laughs) it's, it's all good. And so I, I do think though that, um, I, I both really believe strongly in the, kind of treating yourself like a baby. I don't necessarily think of a baby, but I think of just a young child, you know, maybe something valuable that needs protected. Um, so I, I kind of definitely see a child that I'm working with. And sometimes to like, I, I understand the limits of like cognitive behavioral uh, therapy, but I, I sometimes practice it, which is essentially just like, talking to yourself and if you change your mindset you can sort of change your behavior am i getting that right nice nods from mom that's that's uh i passed the test but essentially like something that somebody said on npr was we feel trapped at home but we're actually safe at home and i think that's one of the things too is being able to tell whenever your body is trying to tell you something and it's not necessarily accurate, like your emotions and feelings are definitely valid. But if you're feeling, you can just work through it. You know, you can, you can work through your body and and tell it, no, actually it's, it's going to be okay. And I think one of those things that I do is instead of feeling trapped at home, I try and tell myself I'm safe at home. There's nowhere else that I can be as safe as right here within my own germs, uh, but being at home. And it kind of switches the mindset where instead of looking at the door because I am I feel like I'm in a cage, I'm looking instead at the bed because it's a place of comfort. You know, some something that sort of changes that mindset a little bit, I'm a believer in. And it, it, it just helps me a little bit. And I think that it's important to distinguish that we are safe at home. And uh, it is at least as safe as it's going to be, you know. I guess everybody's home isn't safe, so please definitely get help if your home is not safe. But Sure, um, absolutely. Right. Um, I like, too, how uh, Lisa Dion said that our sense of safety is what's happening in your own relationship with yourself in this moment. So how can I stay connected to myself in the midst of this chaos? So instead of getting swept away by everything that's external, everything, whether it's social media or news or um, the latest update or the chaos around us, it's being able to get grounded and breathe and center and whether that's um, the self-care that things that we need to do or if it's listening to our body or um, it could be something spiritual or meditation or something that is calming us, bringing us back to what we're not just to the sense of calm, which is great and wanted, but also to the sense of what am I needing right now that I need to be attentive to um, so that I can take myself seriously and what I'm experiencing 
and how I can slow it all down to be able to hear that, to be able to listen to that and be attentive to it. And maybe like one more caveat, caveat as well, which is like, um, if you don't hear anything, you know, just being patient. Like if you're sitting here right now listening to the podcast, like pausing as you wash the dishes and you're like, well, I don't feel anything right now. Like it, it might just, it, it's kind of like a practice and a muscle of listening to your body. And you do know what your body sounds like. Um, you felt hunger, like you, you know what the uh, emotions are. You just got to listen to your body and it becomes more apparent. It's kind of just once you sit still, your body can really talk to you, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Maybe it- 30 minutes before you go to bed, something just sitting still and not doing anything. I think it's it's definitely that idea of a relationship that you're building and it becomes more familiar. Mm. I mean, we could go on a whole tangent on that one because people who have been <laughs> traumatized are not in their body at all or they don't know how to get in their body. But I like I like what you're saying there about just try a little bit. Just start with a little bit and it can take some time and and I just affirm too. Sometimes people will say I can't. Nope, I can't do it, you know, and they don't even want to try. But maybe just dipping your toe in just a little bit to the water to feel like, okay, I wonder what that would be like. I wonder if I could just get curious about trying to listen to my body or have a healthy relationship with myself. How might that bring some shift or some change to my moment-by-moment day? And if you're curious, too, breathing is a huge indication of where you are or it can be an indicator um you know if you're breathing shallowly then clearly you're stressed um i'm gonna cut that out sam at 35 (laughs) 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 what i wanted to say about this though is that breathing is it is so important to that relationship and to getting to a, a place where you can be quiet to hear yourself say what you want or say what you're feeling um, identifying those emotions, those feelings, um, the breathing is what connects us. It grounds ourselves, um, with our bodies. I, I just, I've just heard this repeated over through yoga, through the trainings, through, um, articles I'm reading and through my own practice of breathing, um, because it does bring you back into your body. And just like Sam and Julie are saying, you need to be in your body to understand what you need and where you are absolutely so as we reach the end of this episode i know we we've had a lot to process this episode um as always we're we're thinking about you all and thinking how how can this be applicable to who needs it and who's listening so I know I say this all the time, but definitely reach out if you have any additions to this. If you, I mean, I know we're all going through this struggle right now together, and I know our experiences are both similar and very different. So feel free to reach out. Um, You can reach out on Facebook or Instagram at communityroots.pod or through our Gmail at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. And it'll be confidential. Don't worry about it. Like, we're not here to just interview you and get you on. We just want to create that community that we talk about. So anyway, as we sort of conclude this episode, I think it's a good practice, as always, to focus on our gratitude and say, what are we thankful for in the hard time? So 
I'll start because everybody knows mine. Uh, <laughs> my partner cut my hair and it was a, a huge relief. I just got the sides cut, but just so such a relief. And I know everybody's grumbling at me from their headsets like that. <laughs> you guys haven't gotten a haircut in a while, but I don't even it, want it was to a relief to get a haircut. If someone would try to cut my hair, that would be disastrous. <laughs> uh, I'm happy for you, though, Samuel. I'm happy for you. Yeah, so I'm very grateful to both my partner and the feeling of just like, you know, I have that type of hair that if I take a nap and it's just too long, just slightly too long, I'll just have the worst bedhead for <laughs> hours and sometimes days. And <laughs> sometimes days. <laughs> um, I can go next. I am very grateful for my dog. I know that a lot of people out there have dogs or cats and a lot of you don't, a lot of you have kids, but my dog is, has been just the most gracious of companions during this time. He tells me when it's time to get moving. Um, he lets me pu pet his fluffy ears and I can squeeze his face. And when I go around the house grumbling and I, I grumble all the time now, it seems like I just let out these deep, deep, lion's breath size of like ah but he doesn't do anything about it he's just like oh there she goes again i'm gonna go back to sleep and i can feel all of my feelings around him and it's Aww. safe so i am just so grateful for him i am going to say i'm thankful for um todd and his 50th birthday that we're getting ready mm -hmm. to celebrate and when this comes out it will be already passed belated. yes it will it'll be a belated wish across the podcast world at that point but um 50 years holy cow that is half a century that is a significant amount of time and we were reflecting today and talking um earlier this morning just about how much we have learned and grown and just how incredible life is and not by the sense of happy, easy, sweet, cute, fun, all the nice, wonderful words that you can say, but even just the depth of um, becoming who we are and all that we've experienced. And we are really thankful um, for our family and our kids and um, just all that life has brought us into where we are in this season. We are really grateful. So yeah, and I've known you guys. I'm one of your guys' oldest friends. How cool is that? <laughs> You've been around I've known you all since life. you were wee, wee little lads. Yeah. But I have. I am one of your oldest friends. It's true. 25 <laughs> years. Half of our life. You get the privilege of being my oldest friend. <laughs> but I am one of your guys' oldest friends. Here. But anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Happy belated birthday, Dad. Um, I hope everybody else is doing well at home and that you are uh, healthy or getting better. And uh, we will see you next week on Off the Beaten Path. And we'll see you then. Bye.